You're listening to Radio Tab's Mobile Rolling. Presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound. Making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. Bulldog Hanover in front at three quarters. This is the plan second. One, 21 and three. A 27 and one third quarter for the Bulldog. And he's flashing his teeth again tonight. Bulldog Hanover in front by two. Drifts out just a bit. This is the plan on the inside. Tad too hard is shaking loose for a late bit on the outside. And then lose Perlman. But it's Bulldog Hanover. A horse for the ages. The amazing pacing dynamo going out in style in the TVG for Dexter Dunn. And then Tattoo Artist, a buck of it, Hanover, and Luz Perlman, Bulldog Hanover in a stakes record of 147-3. Incredible the times this horse can run in the United States. Chris Barsby is joining us on Mobile Rolling. Good morning, Chris. Steve, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. We are about to chat with Dexter Dunn, the world's best driver, and I say that uh, wholeheartedly, Steve, there's no sensationalism about that. He is the number one driver in the world. He won 10 straight drivers' premierships in New Zealand. He's now just claimed his fourth straight USTA Driver of the Year award in the United States. He won 308 races last year, Steve, in 2022 alone. But amazingly, 59 of those races were worth more than $100,000 or more. An extraordinary season, an extraordinary driver, and we've got him online now. Dex, really appreciate the time. Uh, not a pro- problem, Chris. Thanks for having me. There's a bit to live up to there with that sort of intro. <laughs> there is, for sure. But, uh, you know, you mentioned a horse like Bulldog Hanover. I was pretty lucky uh, this year to drive uh, the horsepower I did, Chris. Is it fair to say that life is good? Making the move from New Zealand, your native country, to North America has been the best thing ever? Uh, definitely. You know, it's um, uh, obviously had a great career here in New Zealand and um, want to, you know, test myself and uh, take a shot at America. And it's, um, I've been lucky enough it's paid off so far. So it's, um, you know, it was always a challenge when I first moved there, but it's uh, going okay. It was a, a, a decision that you didn't take lightly. Um, you know, leaving New Zealand, you're at the peak of your powers when you left New Zealand. So it was a, a bold challenge that you set yourself to, to leave New Zealand, go to North America, somewhere completely foreign. But you, you did plenty of research and, and you thought long and hard about when and when was going to be the right time. So it, it wasn't a, a decision that you made uh, overnight, was it? No, it was, and I mean, I think I, from a you know younger on, I always was uh, had a fascination with uh, the racing in the US, and uh, I always wanted to give it a shot at some stage. And uh, you know, time moves pretty quickly, and I think I just got to um, you know a stage in my career where it was sort of now or never. I didn't want to go when I was too old, and um, you know, and I didn't want to not go at all. And, and once I get older, look back and regret not giving it a shot. So. Uh, it was always hard, though. It's hard when you're, you're doing a ride and got a lot of support back here to give that up when you're really going into the unknown. But, um, yeah, I just decided that it was, it was now or never, Chris. And, um, like I said, I always wanted to give it a shot. So we gave it a shot and, uh, and made the move. 
What about the support of Chris Ryder? Not only when you first made the move, but this continues. And the friendship that you have with Chris is, is very, very deep. He is a master horseman. Oh, he definitely is, Chrissy. And I was very lucky, um, you know, have uh, good family friends as with uh, my father Robert, and uh, was pretty instrumental in me making the move and, and uh, helping me when I got over there. So, um, and I think we I mean, he's had a great, you know, just like you said, he's a, he's a great horseman, he's a great trainer, and uh, this year he had, I think, his best ever, best ever season in his career. So, was, uh, you know, uh, winning good races for someone like Chris, who's <clears throat> been so helpful to me, is, um, you really get a thrill out of it. So, you know, very lucky to have. Uh, Chris's support since I moved over. Is he a Hall of Famer in the in, in the waiting? I mean, I, I think he will be for sure. You know, he's developed some great horses and also developed ones that he, you know, he's not the biggest spender by any means at the sales. He's been unbelievable at uh, buying cheaper horses and they're turning them into champions. So, uh, you know, his resume um, speaks for itself and uh, what he's done in his career. And I'm Sure, he'll be getting better than uh, at some stage later on. Some of the horses that he entrusted you with uh, since you've made the move to North America, most notably Better's Wish, but then you've got those mares like Party Girl Hill, Nikki Hill. They're, they're sort of generational talents, aren't they? They really are. You know, Better's Wish to me meant a lot. Um, you know, uh, my first full season there, he was really the horse and. Uh, that sort of put my name out there and put me on the map over there as such. He was one of the top three-year-olds in North America and um, Chris and the owners, you know, you know, trusted me to drive him, so I was extremely lucky there. And then, obviously, Party Gill Hill came along and she was just an unbelievable, you know, horse. And she was uh, quite freakish, really, and uh, unfortunately, she, she actually went and missed and had to be retired coming back as a four-year-old. And you sort of think those kind of horses don't uh, come along very often. And then... He bought Nikki Hill, and she come along the next year. So, um, like I said, he's, he's great at picking them out, and he's always seemed to have a good horse. And uh, they have been as worse than those two girls, um, you know, since I've been over there and been lucky enough to drive them. It's quite amazing, really. Another expat that's done uh, amazing things up there and has been a great support for you since being based up there is is Nifty Norman. Um, you know, horses like Amigo Volo, Bella Bellini, um, they're... they're again, generational-type talent. So he's been huge for you as well. Uh, yeah, he's been a massive supporter as well. And he, he took me on earlier on too before um, before others were. Him and Chris were very instrumental in uh, getting me going. And just a great Kiwi bloke. He's a great trainer, a great horseman. And, uh, you know, he's a pleasure to work for. So, you know, he has, he has probably bigger numbers than... Chris does, and it's a massive help to me to be able to, you know, have two trainers like that that support me 100%. Is he still getting around in, in the all black gear? I remember being up there probably 10 years ago now, and he was just dressed head to, head to toe in, in all black gear. Is that still the norm for Nifty? Uh, you know, apart from apart from the Halloween uh, costume party, we, we had at Yannick this year when he was dressed as Rick Wheeler. Um, he's, he's, uh, I don't think I've seen him in anything but all black. Yeah, Chris, he loves it. You know, it's, um, he's a, like I said, he's, a, he's been over here a long time now, but he's, he's still a pure Kiwi and still loves his rugby and obviously loves his all blacks and, uh, and, yeah, and their gear. Yeah, good to hear. Uh, we heard the replay of Bulldog Hanover. 
What does Bulldog Hanover mean to you, Dex? I think yeah, it means a lot, Chris. So it was a it was a hell of a season. It was a, you know, hell of a ride with him this year. Um, you know, I don't I don't think uh, another horse like him will ever come across. You know, uh, he's just that, that amazing, really. So, you know, I'll remember the year with him uh, we had this year for the rest of my life, um, no matter what. So, you know, he drove thousands of horses and. Uh, you always hope you can get one like him and um, driven some champions, but he was he was truly you know one of a kind and uh, extremely special to me for the rest of my life. Was it a chance booking? Uh, Jack Darling had him, sent him down to Noel Daly in New Jersey to race at the Meadowlands, and was it just that chance booking? And it was just something that clicked immediately with you guys. Yeah, it really was. I actually didn't even hear from Jack himself. I think, um, you know, he only arrived at to Noel's barn about two days before his first race of uh, four at the Meadowlands, and uh, Noel just rang me and said, uh, you know, Jody Jameson had driven him up in Canada as a uh, two- and three-year-old and started his four-year-old campaign, and uh, he just said uh, they not, decided not to get a you know, New Jersey-based driver, and they gave me the first option. So um, it was really, I sort of jumped at that. I had to Jump off a pretty good horse I've driven and, uh, as a three-year-old until Rocky Road Hanover to drive him, but he'd been so impressive Bulldog that, uh, you know, I, I got the call up to drive him and, uh, you know, from the first start away we went. So, yeah, I was really lucky I got, got the call up to be able to drive him uh, for this season, really. You equaled the world record at 45 and two fifths. Could he have gone quicker, in your opinion? I think he could have, to be honest. I mean, it's always easy. It's always uh, you look back and uh, you say things you don't actually know. But I mean, I think he he probably could have that night. I, you know, uh, to me, it's always race first, uh, winning the race first, and worry about the record second. But um, you know, he probably could have. I mean, a lot of his miles he put in this year, uh, you know, track records or world records, and uh, usually your horses going that fast, no matter how good they are, they're pretty tired when they're finishing. But uh, he was an exception. He would uh, usually take me nearly to the end of the back straight till I could get him pulled up after those big miles. So uh, just showed you the, the power and the set of lungs that he had on him. Yeah. And he was a massive big stallion, wasn't he? He wasn't a small horse. He was a big boy. He was a big boy. He was extremely impressive to look at. And uh, he's strong and just had an unbelievable stride. I don't think I've driven a pace that could get as high. He, uh, you know, so high, so high off the ground and in flight like he did. He unbelievable, um, you know, height he'd get and, and the stride he'd take. Uh, he was, you could really truly feel his power when you sat behind him. It was uh, quite an incredible feeling, really. The question that I'm keen to ask you, Dex, you, you've been crowned the, uh, the USDA Drover of the Year for the last four years now. Are you surprised how quickly you got to the top over there? Oh, absolutely, Chris. Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting to get the top at all. I mean, over there, I wanted to make a decent living. But, um, yeah, I, you know, absolutely 100% surprised. But, uh, you know, we talk about, we were talking about Chris Wright and Nifty Norm, they helped keep me going and support me um, so much uh, still. And then, obviously, a lot, a lot of other trainers uh, that, that helped me out, support me as well. So, I've been extremely lucky to drive the horses that I, I drove, especially this year. It's... Um, you know, just good horses with, uh, you know, good horsepower, and it makes all the difference. 
we've mentioned Chris Ryder, we've mentioned Nifty Norman, just on the American and Euro-American trainers up there, who are some of the better trainers that you've, you know, driven for? Um, I think Aki Sonstek's um, a big supporter. He's, you know, I've driven some of trains trotters, just purely trotters a couple of paces, but, um, you know, he's, you know, given me a lot of support, especially this year, driving trotters like Al Raja one and... Um, uh, Jiggy Jog was a great filly this year. She was um, a three-year trotting filly, and uh, she had a great run on the Breeders' Crown. So, you know, trainers like that, there's a, there's a lot more, there's a lot of names I could go through, but it's, um, you know, you just get a lot of good support. Nancy Tack has given you good support as well? Yeah, oh, yes, absolutely. We had a good, great run there. For, um, you know, uh, for a couple of years, the horses uh, like Manchego was... Um, you know, she was a great trotter as well, and herself, and then quite a few others. So, yeah, like I said, there's a lot of them out there. I'm pretty lucky, Chris, the horsepower that I get to sit behind, that's for sure. I'm glad you mentioned Manchego. Is she the best trotter that you've sat behind, or is there something else that I'm missing? Oh, she would definitely be up there. Um, you know, she was she was amazing. She was, uh, her gait was pretty special. It was sort of something different that I've never you know, felt uh, with sitting behind a trotter and uh, hard to describe, but she would float over the ground. You'd be, and you, you, her feet were touching the ground when she was in stride. So um, she's got a couple of weird records to her name herself. It's, uh, she was really, she was incredible. Okay. One other question that I wanted to ask about you, just with your style of driving, I'm sure you're the type of driver that uh, self-evaluates, you're continuing to evolve as a driver. Is there any doubt that you're a better driver now than what you were, say, five years ago, let alone ten years ago? Um, I, I think you learn all the time. I think you've got to get, you know, obviously get better as you get uh, more experienced and more knowledgeable. Um, I don't know, maybe I've come back here to New Zealand and uh, in race I might suck now, Chris, because there's a different style of driving, who knows? But, um, you know, you're definitely, you're definitely obviously getting more experienced over the years, but you've you know, you got to adapt and change and keep up with the time. So I just try and, uh, you know, not get stuck in one way and just keep trying to evolve as I go along. So I'm um, always changing and always looking to, for new ideas and uh, just whatever it takes really to get me go as fast as I can. Is it a really competitive driver's colony in North America? Yes, it is. There's a lot of great drivers over there. Uh, obviously, Chris, it's, um, you know, it's competitive. They're all great fellas and get on great with them, uh, but uh, obviously on the track, it's, uh, you know, it's extremely fierce and competitive, so, you know, you've got to be on, on the ball, you've got to be on the, on the game, and uh, every game face, game face on, as you say, and, um, you know, make sure you're producing, because uh, you lead up at any stage, uh, there's plenty there to, uh, to attack. Do you have a manager, or do you sort of just book yourself for, for certain horses? How does it sort of work? No, I wish I did have a manager at some time. <laughs> some stages of the season, Chris, it gets when it gets busy. But I uh, don't know. Um, no one really has managers over there. So, uh, you know, we just deal with the trainers and owners ourselves. And, um, you know, obviously each different track has their own judges that uh, you talk to to pick your drives and, and sort all that out. So, you know, trainers will just put you down on horses in general races and you to win your judges and uh, take which one you want to if you double up. And, you know, you let the trainers know that if you can or can't drive the horse, and yeah, this really uh, works that way. Does it get a bit, you know, 
testing at times? Yeah, it does. It does indeed. It's, yeah. um, I always find it hard when you when you get two two really nice horses they are that you're driving or and they get in the same race. It's always a hard uh, hard one when you've got to pick one and and not the other one, and then you've got to tell the trainer that you're not going to drive their horse. So it's always I always struggle with that uh, that aspect of it. You know, you don't they won't try and you hate letting people down, and uh, you always want to do your best for, for the hard working folks. So. Yeah, that part of it's uh, probably my least favourite uh, part of the game, but we all go through that. Yeah, understandable. What's the biggest difference, though, Dex, between North America and, and, and I'll say down under, both Australia and New Zealand, or is there a big difference between Australia and New Zealand as well? So do you have to sort of break it down a little bit further? Well, that's a big, yeah, there's a big difference. I think uh, America's just is uh, the bigger population, um, you know, there's just sort of more money online, more money on offer and more racing to be had. Um, and then obviously racing side of it. I mean, the races, obviously, we only always race one mile. So, um, you know, the racing style is completely different. Uh, it's very really hard to be, you know, uh, live on the outside and not be in the run line during a race, no matter how good a horse you are over there. Whereas over here, we can, you know, you can do that. It's, um, so that is different, but it's... And it really is sort of a bit of a different world over there compared to back here. Um, so it's just, uh, I guess it is the other side of the world. They're just doing things differently. Is Australia more more closer to the style of racing in North America compared to New Zealand? I think so. I mean, especially if you take Nangle. Nangle's um, probably, I think, uh, the closest to American racing uh down at uh, you know, New Zealand or Australia, isn't it? So, um, you know, let's get in there. I think um, I think New Zealand's been catching up a little bit too lately uh, in the last few years, but uh, you still have the big fields here and distance racing and, uh, you know, New Zealand, you can make two or three different moves, you know, different moves in a race uh, and, and still be there in the finish. So, you know, it is pretty much different. It is quite a lot different still, but... I think the angle you could take and say that it's uh, pretty getting pretty close to like American racing for sure. Is Meadowlands your favourite racetrack? Uh, well, Red Mile probably is my favourite. Um, you know, Meadowlands uh, are, are very close second, but uh, there's something about Red Mile in Lexington, Kentucky. It's a it's a great racetrack to race horses on. Um, you know, it's a beautiful surface and uh, you sort of. You can sort of feel the horse and yourself really enjoy racing there. I, I love it down there and uh, to race on that track. And then obviously Meadowlands is also a, a great place to race as well. And um, my walk up in Canada is actually a track I quite enjoy going to and, and racing as well. So uh, that'll probably be my top three. Okay. And just on the Red Mile at Kentucky, what is it about that surface? Because it seems to be a really fast surface as well. Yeah, it is. It's an extremely fast track. It's um, obviously a mile big, and uh, it's a red clay surface. And um, you know, it's, it's just one of those tracks. And when, when it's you know, it's nice weather, and they have the track good, and you can have ten horses racing, and you can't hear one of them hitting the ground. And horses just seem to bounce off it good. They must, you know, they don't feel any any little niggles when they're racing on it, and. Uh, they seem to put in put in their full efforts on that track. They just enjoy it, and uh, you can tell they enjoy it too. Okay. One other horse that I just wanted to ask about this morning, and I'm sure she's near and dear to your heart, Twin B Joe Fresh. She's this 
Really big, strong-looking filly by Roll with Joe, trained by Chris Ryder. You've got a piece of this filly. She was enormous in that uh, two-year-old season, just complete. Eight from ten, I think, her record stands, earnings just shy of $600,000. How did that come about, uh, you taking a share in a filly like this? Oh, that was that was all Chris. I can't take any credit for that. I just... Um... Me, me, I've been, me and Chris have been buying horses to get it sales. We had one before by uh, Captain Treacherous Colt, which we raced. He did pretty good, and we sold him, and then uh, sales are coming up, and I just uh, uh, said to CJ, we'll go again. You pick it out. I think he just uh, texted me whatever uh, hit number she was, and just said, that one's yours. And you know, I didn't even know for about a month what she was actually bought. I forgot to look it up. Just paid the bill for it, and um, that was her. So I, I can't take any credit for that. Uh, like I said, he's... Uh, he's done it a lot, a lot of times, though, Chris, buying, finding um, horses that uh, I think she's only about 60000 or something like that uh, that um, you know, make a profit and, and turn out to be great horses. So uh, I think, to be honest, Chris, and most horses of your own have been pretty slow. And uh, to have her this year, was, uh, it was a big thrill, actually. I think especially when she went uh, 48 and 4 at the Red Mile, halfway through the season of a two year old filly, it was uh, pretty special. So yeah, looking forward. Hopefully she comes back. Uh, if she doesn't get too much bigger, because she's already a big girl, but um, if she comes back and has another good year, that'd be, that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I know the feeling about racing slow ones. So we're fresh into 2023, Dex. What's what's the big target for you? Obviously, you want more success with Twin Beat Joe Fresh, obviously, but uh, what's the race that you most want to win up there in North America? Oh, there's probably quite a few of them that, um, you know, you want to win, you just want to win one of them. Obviously, the handle Tony would be uh, unbelievable to win. Uh, Toddy got the win in the last year. So for sure, it's a special feeling. Um, you know, a middle-length pace or a North American Cup, so win any one of those races. And obviously, also the Jug, I think, would be... Uh, I won the Jug X with uh, Party Your Hill, but I think winning the Jug would be pretty special as well. It's a great uh, week of racing there and um, so much prestige behind it, so... Yeah, we can try and snag one of them. It'd be great, but it's you know the biggest races are never the easy ones to win by any account. Yeah, that's for sure. You mentioned Toddy and Andy. Uh, still going strong up there. Yeah, they, they are. the boys are going great. Toddy had a great year this year. Um, you know, I think uh, he's he was made made for American racing, wasn't he? But he's uh, he's kicking goals for sure, and uh, he really enjoys it uh, over there as well. So. Um, you know, it'd be uh, hopefully another great year this year too. We've recently seen Lock and Varart, one of our star open class performers, head that way, part of the Shane Tritton stable. What's your thoughts? How do you think he's going to adapt up there? He looked pretty good in his qualifier the other day. I mean, he's obviously a great horse, uh, Chris. I think he'll... Um, you know, I think he should be fine over here. I actually watched, obviously watched a lot of his racing um, when he was racing in Australia, and he was tough and he had speed, and that's what you need. So, um, you know, if he adapts to it over there and settles into his racing, he's, uh, I think he'll, he'll do just fine. I think he could probably make a lot of money this year. It's um, obviously good timing too, probably with uh, Bulldog being retired. He's not going to be he's have to race him this year. So it's a pretty... Uh, the chance of this year for the open open pace is for a great one to come along and, and do good. So uh, no reason, um, haven't seen any reason for him not to, uh, you know, kick ass over there. Okay. Uh, 
you've recently returned to New Zealand. Uh, owing to COVID, you've been sort of stuck up there in North America for the last couple of years now. So obviously good to get home. Your dad took a tumble the other day. Uh, Robert, I, I spoke with him across the weekend. He seems in pretty good spirits. And I spoke with your brother, Johnny. Uh, they're, they're continuing to do great things in New Zealand. That trotter of theirs, Sunday's son, no doubt you've watched plenty of him uh, via the internet, but uh, he, he is a very special talent. Oh, he absolutely is. I think, um, you know, the way he races, racing style too, which is, uh, I think, you know, not obviously me uh, with him being RJ and Johnny's horse, but I think uh, general people in racing actually uh, really appreciate just how tough that horse is. I mean, um, you know, the stamina, stamina he has and the tough trips he fits in. And I think, um, you know, two years ago, I think it was when you won the Dominion uh, in Christchurch and Cup week, I think he went four seconds faster than, than the copies that he's in the Cup one. I mean, that just shows you how, how awesome that trotter is. And uh, they've been, they work hard, but they've been having a, a great few years, Johnny and RJ and the team there. So it's, um, you know, I keep a close eye on all the racing back here and it's, uh, it's, it's really... Great to see them uh, doing good. Were you glad to catch up with a lot of friends and family? Yeah, I'm actually heading home in a couple of days, Chris. I've been only five weeks and uh, I've been four, over four years since I've been back. So I've had a, a awesome, awesome trip back home, catching up with everybody and got a few race meetings and uh, and had a few cold ones with, with some mates and everything like that. So it's, um, it was long overdue to come back and it was, uh, it was a great time next door. Well, just as I wrap things up with you this morning, Dex, I really appreciate the time. But uh, one last question. Is the best still yet to come from uh, Double D? <laughs> oh, well, it depends on what kind of horse I get to drive going forward, Chris, to be honest. But I uh, I hope so. Um, you know, I'm only 33, so I've got a couple more years of me before I start slowing down, getting a bit senile. But um, uh, we're just going to keep trying, right? Well, you're only 33, early 30s, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably body doesn't feel that young, but, uh, you know, I've still, still, still got a few years left in me. But, um, you know, all those guys here will just keep keep trying to do better and um, keep trying to make those uh, ponies go fast. Yeah. So it is taxing on the body, the style of driving and, and the, the competition over there? It does. It, um, you know, summertime's such a hectic time for us. It's a lot of travelling as well. So uh, it definitely takes its toll. But, um, you know, I've uh, had a couple of bad spells and sort of knocked the body around a little bit. But, um, you know, I actually have paid too much. It's uh, not as bad as ours at the moment anyway, that's for sure. Okay. Well, it's great to hear that he is in good spirits and uh, he'll make a full recovery. So that's pleasing to hear. Really appreciate the time this morning as we finish up this interview, I just wanted to pop in a replay of Manchego. She was a, a wonderful trotting mare, and you had uh, great success with this mare. Uh, again, really appreciate it. Best of luck in 2023 and beyond. Uh, you're a world-class driver, the world number one driver, so uh, onwards and upwards. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thank you, mate. Manchego and ready for money. Those two stride for stride. Lindy the Great in with a shot as well. 123 for three quarters in the stretch of the Cashman. It's Manchego put to the test. Ready for money pours it on. Beads on the inside, raging late. Gangster Hanover late trot, and here comes Lindy the Great on the outside. But Manchego's still there. Beads on the inside coming. Manchego, beads on the inside. Beads, beads, Manchego, and
close to call. Then Lindy the Great and Gangster Hanover noses apart, 150 and three.